Bokir Tov, we are in Sefer Shemuel Bet, chapter 7, verse 1. However, before we get to chapter 7, verse 1, we have to kind of tie some loose ends on the story of when David brought back the Aaron into the city of David, and he was dancing before the Aaron, and Michal looked at him side-eyed and said, uh, um, uh, what did she say? She said... She said, ooh, how, honor, how, how respected the king was today when he, when he unveiled himself like, like, uh, an empty yeah, like an empty person, whatever. And David's response was brutal. And he said, I was dancing before God who chose me over your father to make me the king over Am Yisrael. And I wasn't dancing before the people. I wasn't dancing before the Amhot Avadab, before the maidservants. I was actually dancing before God, and I would do it again. And the people who I want to be honored would be in front of them. And, I, and I would degrade myself further if it meant serving God. And with those maidservants that you're talking about, I don't mind being honored by them. So first of all, the interesting thing is that this is like a, our introduction in Tanakh to the the classic battle which would rage on until today between elites and between normal people you know and the the leaders that are more beloved are which kind of leaders the leaders that serve the elites or the leaders that serve the people so the leaders that serve the people are the ones that that are more beloved the leaders that help the poor people against those stronger people who are abusing their power those are the leaders that people really like and you see it in politics today that every politician is trying to frame themselves as a man of the people. And you could be in government for 40 years and never stepped out a foot of the Senate, and you could. And the only thing you will harp on for your thing is that you came from uh, from where? Where, where did the, where did the, the, he was in? Um, where was Biden from originally? Biden. Yeah. In some some oh I'm a small city person. Yeah, a small city person. You were in the Senate for 40 years. Like that's literally your life. Small city person You literally never Shook hands with the plumber In your life You know So But that, that The idea is Is Because it works And because It's true That if the leader Really is a man of the people Then Then That That's True leadership You know To just Go and become comfortable In your elitist position And then serve your friends That's corruption to actually have the people in mind That's true leadership And that's, that's, what, that's what David really is David doesn't care for the pomp And the circumstance of the kingship And he doesn't care for the respect and the honor He cares to make sure Am Israel is Doing well and is serving God well He doesn't care about, about being considered respected And being an elite, elitist Okay um, And that's a beautiful thing about David Now the question is what is Michal thinking? Where is Michal coming from in all of this? The king has to look proper and he's like dancing like a fool in front of everyone. Right, so you could say that, you could, you could say that David is overreacting and, and Michal is, is more concerned with David's honor and she thinks that a king has to, has to be dignified and carry himself in a certain way and their argument is whether David went overboard. David says, I did not go overboard because I was dancing before God and the king should be ready to... Um, Lower himself before God And she says No, the king has to carry himself with dignity Right, so that would be the most Like the most basic 
a di- disagreement between them But the disagreement goes a little bit further It goes a little bit deeper Because we keep describing Michal as Michal the daughter of Shaul, Which if the Sukim are telling us that she's the daughter of Shaul It's probably because they want us to think about her relationship to Shaul And if you look back at Shaul's reign You see that his concern for honor actually may have been one of his big issues So for example, when he was supposed to kill, destroy all of Amalek and destroy all of the cattle What was Shaul's response? His response was that the people, I felt bad for the people because the people wanted to leave alive some of the, the cattle for themselves They wanted to enrich themselves a little, so I let them keep the good cattle from the war of Amalek now by doing that, what does Shaul show? That he, is, that he is less concerned with the will of God and more concerned with being popular in the eyes of the masses. You see? If, if Shaul were to say, whatever God wants, I'll do. And even if the people tell me otherwise, I'm going to, I'm going to do God's will. That's great. That's, that's like David kind of character. But Shaul was actually the kind of person to give in to the people. And... and he would, he would sacrifice his, uh, his commitment to God in order to win popularity with the people. You know? Mm-hmm. So that, that's one of the main things we saw in Shaul. His biggest problem was that it seems like Shaul was much more concerned with his popularity than he was with doing God's will. And David is willing to debase himself if it means doing God's will. Which one is better? It seems like Tanakh is indicating that David's version is better, which is why David replaces him. Now, if you want to go even deeper to see where it stems from, why Shaul wanted to be popular, why he wanted to be respected, why... Oh, another example, by the way. Whenever Shaul, Shimuel reprimands Shaul for not destroying Amalek, Shaul says, okay, fine, I understand you're upset with me, but at least come bow down with me at the altar after the war so that you at least save my honor. He asked him, basically, I know you're not with me, but come with me this one last time. Just show the people, Just show, show the people that you're with me so I don't get embarrassed. And what is Shaul thinking about? His honor. Mm-hmm. He's thinking about his kabod, but he's not thinking about the, the honor of God. Mm-hmm. David doesn't care about his honor. So this is like a, a difference between normal kings who are built of normal human cloth that they're concerned with their honor, which is, it's understandable. I don't know if you, you like you say Shaul's the biggest rasha for wanting it, but David is on another level, clearly, right? David, he's not, doesn't care for these things. It's his, he's solely concerned with God. And we'll see that in the next chapter when David looks at himself. David looks at himself and he sees, I have a house, I'm sitting here in Yerushalayim, but where is God? God's, God's still, the Aaron is still in a, in a tent. That's not, that's not proper I Meaning David is purely focused on God While Shaul was more focused on building up his own honor And we see that in Michal as well Michal's like why did you debase yourself before the people And David says first of all there's nothing wrong with the people And second of all I didn't I was serving God Maybe you That's maybe why God chose me over your father Because you chose getting respected by the people over serving God And I don't do that Um one last thing, if you want to go even deeper into this thing with Shaul, we saw very, very early on that Shaul was super humble. And we said there's an extent to which his humility may have been his downfall. 
And that's because his humility almost stems from a place of lack of confidence. We saw that when studying his character in Shemuel Aleph. And very often people who lack confidence, how do they fill the void of their lack of confidence, of their lack of self-esteem? By demanding respect from other people. Right? So people who are overly concerned with their popularity amongst the masses, it often stems from an insecurity about how good they really are. So they need the, the approval of people like a drug. That could be also Shaul's, what's going on in Shaul's psyche, why he's so concerned with the popularity of the masses, because there may be some lack of confidence in his heart. While David is confident, he's a successful general, he knows himself, but he knows his boundaries, and he knows to respect God first and foremost. Okay, now that we know that David has his head on straight, and, and David brings the Aaron into Yerushalayim, and there is pretty much, overall there is peace, in Am Yisrael now because David has consolidated the kingdom and he's a very strong warrior and the army is strong so there's overall there's peace in Am Yisrael so the Pasuk in Devarim says that when God will give you rest from all of your enemies from around and you will dwell comfortably then you shall Choose a place Or there will be a place chosen For Am Yisrael to gather For the Shalosh Regalim For the Beit HaMikdash to be built This is in the book of Devarim Chapter 12 Pasuk Yud Meaning When Am Yisrael gets to a point In which they have reached Shalva Or they have reached um, Basic Comfort in the land Then it becomes time To build the Beit HaMikdash So David is thinking to himself Alright We've reached comfort Our enemies are at bay Let's build a better mikdash. And it was when the king was in his house and God had given him uh, uh, rest from all of his enemies from around. So the king says to Nathan, the prophet, See now, I am in a house made of wood, meaning in a, in a nice house that's built with wood. But the Aaron of God is in a tent. That's not appropriate. Okay. So Nathan says to the king, anything that's in your heart, do because God is with you. So David says, okay, I want to build a bit of Megdash. Nathan says, go for it. Now what's interesting... Two days ago, we're in here, David. Okay. He's looking up at higher by it. You can... Be exactly what this... Meaning, you're looking at your David. Your David is the down part of the valley. Higher by it's up. And right. you look up to it, you see it. Harabai. So you can imagine uh, him sitting in that seat. You can imagine right him sitting at a seat looking up at Harabai saying, time. Okay, it's that, that looks like it would be a good place for God's house. My, my house is ready. It's my time house is this. ready. It's time ready. Now, now what's inter- what is interesting about what Nathan just did? Nathan just told him, You want to build a Bintam Mikdash? Go for it. Because Hashem is with you. So, look at Radak. Nathan said this from his own. Nathan didn't have a Nivua about this. Okay? Mm-hmm. He just assumed that. That David, God is with David all the way, so of course you should build a house. What would be the problem in building a house? I think it was a to begin with. What? I think it was just like egging him on, be like, go for it. Right, right. Now, now what's interesting, you see from here that there is an element of in a Navi that even when they're not getting Nivua, the Navi often has like a, some kind of Ruach HaKodesh that allows them to basically give advice. That's what, that's what I see from this. 
that even if the Navi is not giving direct advice from, from Nivoah, they would people would still approach the Navi and ask some questions because the Navi would have Racha Kodesh advice, let's say. Or yes, he has the Dishmaya. Meaning he has, he, he has the same logic applies to people. Why do they everyone go to the rabbis today? Or, or he has, uh, what, you're, they, what you're referring to is Da Torah, let's say. Like, I'd say Da Torah, I mean, if not Da Torah, but they have more Siyata Dishmaya in their, in in their, their responses, responses and, their, and their calculations of, and how they see Yeah, things. I'd say a very similar thing. I would, say, I would call it, let's say, a form of Ruach Kodesh. Now, ironically, next pasuk, he comes emergency to Natan and he tells him the following Go and tell David, so said God, You want to build me a house for my dwelling? Meaning, God basically jumps in, intervenes, and tells Navi, uh, Hold on, put the brakes on this. I don't want David to build a bit of Mikdash. Now, we're going to see, he's going to. Tell Navi of, he's going to tell Natan a very long, a, a very long response as to, it's not even going to say exactly why he doesn't want David to build the Beit HaMikdash, not here at least, okay? But, but he intervenes, he sees that Natan gave David basically the wrong advice and he, and he gives him a nevuah that night, telling him, what, you think David is going to build the Beit HaMikdash? Kilo yashauti bevayit. I have not dwelt in a house from the time I brought Bnei Israel out of Mitzrayim until this day. And I would go in a tent and in a Mishkan. Have I said once to any of the people of Israel that I have made leaders over my people? Have I ever told them, why have you not built me a house? Meaning, I never asked for this. And I, I, at this point, I don't want David to build it. Again, he still doesn't say why. Okay? So say to David, I took you from the field, from behind the sheep, to be a leader for my people for Israel. And I was with you with, for everything that you've done, everything that you went, all your, your, uh, your missions, I was with you. And I cut all of your enemies from before you. And I made you a great name. It's like the great people of the land. And I made a place for my people Israel, a.k.a. Israel. And I planted them. And they dwelled there. And there will no longer be any more any fighting or, or, uh, or, or uh, battle. And no more wicked people are going to make them suffer. Like they used to or like, in, like Mitzrayim did. This pasuk I don't know how to translate. Okay, and from the day that I commanded the shoftim on my people Israel, and I gave you a break from your enemies. I don't know. I don't know. Is that a question? Wait, they explained it. I appointed judges. And also from that day that I appointed judges over my people in Israel, and I shall give you rest. Rest from your enemies, right? From your, all your enemies. And Hashem informs you that Hashem will establish a dynasty for you. No question. Few statements. Okay. 
Finally, let's keep going. When the, day yeah. when the day comes when I inform you that y- that you're you'll form a dynasty. When your days get uh, full and you dwell and you sleep with your fathers, meaning and you die, I will I will bring up your seed after you. I'm going to establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name. And I will establish his kingdom forever. Okay, and that is the Nevoat Natan. We're going to continue tomorrow. But the Nivuat Natan is basically that I have not asked for this and I do not want you to do it. When I establish your kingdom and I give you your dynasty, then the son that I give you, he will be the one to build a Beit HaMikdash, but not you. Now, if you've studied any Gemara or if you've been to Yeshiva Day School, you know the reason, the popular reason for why David could not build a Beit HaMikdash, and that is because he spilled too much blood. Because he spilled too much blood. So tomorrow, Bazar Hashem, we're going to go through those opinions. Where do they come from? Why do they say that? Yeah, it comes from Divrayamim. Okay, he said the quiet part out loud. But um, it comes from Divrayamim. So what what is the idea behind that? Um, what are the varying opinions onto what that means? Meaning what? So David shouldn't have spilled too much blood. What is he supposed to do? Or everyone has their own job. You need to it could kill be. all it that people. So all right, it could be. Um, but but so we're going, we're going to analyze all this. I think it's a good topic to discuss. What is wrong with David that he can't do the bit midrash? If there is anything, it could be that there's nothing wrong with David. Also, okay? looks like but but that 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 is explicitly stated in Divrei Amim, and we will see that tomorrow. Amen. Amen.